Shoot, I messed it up. I changed right, I it. By over. the way, I meant to tell you that so you wouldn't. I used to be health coach Trish, but I changed it to feel good gut girl recently. Okay. All right. I got to do that. Sorry. All right. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. At feel good gut girl. A lot mm-hmm, of alliteration mm-hmm. there. Okay. It is. It's a lit. Yep. <laughs> Welcome to Ice Cream, You Scream, a health and wellness podcast. Hi, I'm Alex. I eat a donut between two slices of bread. And I'm Trish, and I'm sensitive to gluten. On today's episode, what's up with gluten anyway? Hi! Welcome back. (laughs) It is ice cream, you scream. We have another topic today in which I'm likely to scream about, and Alex is likely to to be loving it, maybe, I think. It'll be interesting. Yes, yeah. quite possibly. Um, a, a topic that is definitely near and dear to to your gut, if if mm-hmm. I may. Indeed, indeed. You may say things things such as that. Um, I do have a passion for talking about gluten sensitivities and different um, issues associated with gluten. And I hope to bring some clarity on this issue because I think there is a lot of buzz. Gluten has kind of become a buzzword in the health community, mm-hmm. and there oh, yeah. are misconceptions about it. Um, and yes. so we're going to go over, you know, how people do get it wrong, how to get it right. And I'm hoping just some of the highlights so you kind of know when you hear this buzz around gluten, you have a greater understanding of, you know, what's up with it anyway. Hmm. All right. I, I don't know... I, I laughed at myself because I was here like nodding along and being like, oh yeah, totally, absolutely. Like I know anything about gluten. Um, <laughs> my experience with gluten uh, is limited to, or at least gluten sensitivity is limited to some family members who have more extreme cases of gluten sensitivity. And also just being a server and encountering people who I'm 100% sure are not sensitive to gluten, mm-hmm. but you know, want to make a big deal about it anyway. And Maybe that's not a thing that I should get into yet, because uh, I'm curious to see what kinds of benefits there could be for people who maybe don't have the sensitivity, and I don't want to make a fool out of myself. Oh, but no. I won't lie. There is a little bit of um, possible bitterness in me because of those types of people, because it's kind of a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I'm going to be very honest. There might be a little bit of bitterness even within myself for people mm. who... Uh, how do I want to say it? Maybe kind of ruin it if if they don't fully understand or they're doing something because it's kind of a fad and and they have these right. misconceptions. And I will right. get into those for sure. And I think it um, is totally true and legit. And, um, you know, I too worked in a restaurant and we have to kind of ask, you know, how serious is it? Is that a preference or is it an allergy? And, right. you know, we can kind of get into that. And first of all, I just want to say too, I think it's so interesting because your experience at the Olive Garden, you guys have like two gluten-free options, right? Or you did. <laughs> we do have a whole gluten-free menu, and it's, I think, actually a whole page. Um, really? Yeah, because there we do have a gluten-free rotini pasta. Okay. Uh, we, like, I say we do like I still work there. I don't. They have a gluten-free Well, I said that too. Pasta. I said you guys, like, it's like your company. <laughs> um, and then, like, some of the soups are gluten-free as well. I feel like right. the Zupa is okay. gluten-free... Um, the couple of the soups are gluten-free. Actually, I think I may have had the Zupa the last time okay. I was at Olive Garden, so it probably is, because it's usually potatoes, Salads I think. Salads and stuff, right. Mm-hmm. Salads as okay. well, like as long as you're holding the right. croutons. So like there there are more options than you might expect. Okay. But uh, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. But it, well, always, 
it always does, it always did make me laugh when like people would come in and be like, so I can't have pasta and I can't have cheese, and I'm like. <laughs> So what are you expecting? Can't have bread, pasta, or cheese, and I'm coming to an Italian restaurant. That's all of the dishes, but I will give you a tomato on a bed of lettuce if that's what you're looking (laughs) for. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. So, is there anything that you would like to say before I attempt to define or or do my impressions of gluten and mangle it in the process. I want to hear your impressions first. I think I'd like to start with that. Okay. It's not good. Uh, it's kind of embarrassing, especially after I've outed myself as like having family members who have the sensitivity to it. But there is something with gluten products that some people find it difficult to process and Apparently, it has a range of effects. Um, I just know that some of the people in my family are sensitive enough to the point where, like, they can sniff a food and will get, like, a turn in their stomach knowing that it's in there. And if they do actually consume it, like, it it takes them out of it like they're on a, like, having an out-of-body experience. Like, mm-hmm. they are, they, they don't process what's around them and, like, will respond to things, like, 10 minutes after you actually say them. It's, like pretty serious um Mm. but i you know again do also know that some people hop on it as a fad uh for for funsies and and that's kind of annoying i don't know (laughs) the specifics uh all i know is that it's gluten products i know you mentioned celiacs and i don't know if that's maybe the thing or not so i should probably just stop there and say (laughs) i have a very surface level knowledge of gluten intolerance you know what? I would say your surface level knowledge was pretty impressive. It was it was well put. And I would think that that's probably the surface level knowledge that maybe our listeners who are not in the field of health and wellness are, and are coming on, hopping on as maybe like an Alex <laughs> might be <laughs> might be very similar. Uh, so I, I think that's great. And I want to remind me of those points because I'd like to touch on some of them. But let me first tell you what just gluten is. OK, sure. Gluten is a protein it's actually a protein found within wheat and some other grains such as barley and it's kind of what gives those grains and things like bread it's like rising texture it's cakey stickiness it's kind of what keeps things together in baked goods uh, found in a lot of breads pastas grains things like that there are gluten-free grains which i'll get into so it's not in everything but it's just a protein found in many um and you know to kind of get into why this is important, we are seeing cases of gluten sensitivity and even celiacs being diagnosed at a higher rate than before, which I do think then kind of contributed to the fad. But I'd like to break down some of these different conditions, kind of what the difference is. Before I do that, I want to know if you have any questions on that, Alex, or thoughts. Yeah, uh, so a thought that I had when you mentioned that earlier, like the, or at least when I was reading over some of the general notes for this particular episode, do you think that it's more that more people are being diagnosed with, as in there are more people who have a gluten sensitivity, or is it more just that it's easier to test now, and so like Mm. more of that is coming out because it's more accessible, or like more knowledge is out there about it, where before you'd be like, oh, I, you know, get hives whenever I eat bread. It must just be like sugar or something. I don't know. So I think that's a great question. And truthfully, I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think as, you know, medicine and stuff advances, we find that like 
you know, when people used to get sick, they just attributed it to whatever and they didn't really realize what it was about. So I Mm -hmm. think that's part of it. It can be tested and detected more absolutely. But I will err on the side of agreeing more with your first um, notion there, Alex, about it just becoming more prevalent. And one of the theories within the health community that I, I kind of have this stance is that gluten sensitivities in particular, and maybe even diseases like celiacs, are becoming more common because of the way we process our foods. Back in the day, ancient grains, and that's actually a thing we call now, like we can have regular grains that are kind of like just our process form. Ancient grains. Ancient grains are essentially how grains were meant to be, um, really kind of farmed in a way without pesticides, not being genetically modified. They were kind of the purest form of the grain. People who have sensitivities can sometimes eat ancient grains, myself included, at a smaller level and not get as much of a reaction as having like, let's say, Wonder Bread. Nothing against mm-hmm. them, but very processed form of, of loafed bread, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so part of this research is like, is it is it some of the chemicals and the way it's modified? There are some theories that actually wheat now has a higher level of gluten than it used to. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of, Alex? Um, you know, Alex and I come from the world of substance use. We'll have right. to touch maybe one day on substances. It reminds me of marijuana and THC levels. You know how mm, THC okay. levels are higher? <laughs> Definitely, totally different topic for discussion. I like to think of gluten kind of being hot in higher levels in these plants, and it causes a bigger reaction for people um, okay. as compared to, you know, ancient gluten or gluten in the past. <laughs> this isn't your grandfather's gluten. It is not your grandfather's this gluten. advanced gluten. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And um, so I think that's one of the theories why it is more common. Again, it's just a theory. I think it needs to be researched for sure. And I think there is kind of a, a greater um, greater awareness. And, and the last thing I'll say on this part, because I do think it's important to address, we also just eat more gluten products than people back in the day. Back in the day, they had like their loaf of bread and they would make cakes. And then that was about it. They didn't come out with like Twinkies and bread and Pop-Tarts and like all of our like breakfast, lunch, dinner and snack food all having gluten. Right. Like now we we just consume more wheat based products. It's added to a lot of products. So one of the theories is like. In small quantities, a lot of times people can have gluten, but over time we're constantly flooding our body with it and then we kind of become sensitive. Our body is like, whoa, now I've had an amount that kind of is too much and now I become sensitive. Does that make sense? Yeah. I have a question and I'm not sure if I should ask it now or save it for the final scream. Um, Is gluten sensitivity something then that you can develop partway through your life or is it something that is merely discovered partway through your life so you mentioned like you get to a point where you hit that level and your body's like okay like that's too much is it just like you wait until you reach that level and then that's it or like you could not have an issue with gluten and then you know be in your 20s or 30s and find out Fantastic question. I think it's a second one because that's my experience. Growing up, I was able to eat gluten without any sort of issues. And it came up around a similar time that I also developed like my lactose intolerance. Um, So it is something that is popping up for people who never had it before. And um, it might be like there was exposure all our life and then it kind of caught up with us potentially. Um, Or when we just have an imbalanced gut, you know, my, my specialty in health coaching is talking about gut health in general. 
Um, when people have any sort of imbalance, like they've developed some sort of gut issue, there's all sorts of different things like um, a bacterial overgrowth or a yeast infection within the gut. Gluten will be one of the things that is harder to process. So it's almost like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Maybe I had a gluten sensitivity that was building up that made my gut issues worse, or I started to have like gut issues and then gluten was just one of the the foods that was kind of hard to process and I mm-hmm. became sensitive to it. Um, and again, there's theories on both sides here. We don't necessarily know which one is at play. It might be different for each person, kind of what came first, your gluten sensitivity or a gut issue, and then you just can't digest it well, really. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And good to know. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, then uh, I think that is definitely a good intro to it. So I agree. Um, why is it important then? Uh, and I guess, yeah, no, I'll, I'll just, I'll keep it general. I almost like narrowed in on a particular focus. <laughs> it's entirely possible that like you'll answer some of these thoughts as we go on. So okay. tell us about it. Why is it important? Why is it important? Yeah, absolutely. So we're finding that cases of gluten sensitivity or gluten intolerance, we can call it either thing. Like I'm, I'm sensitive to gluten or I kind of really can't tolerate it. Just kind of depends on how, how bad of a reaction you have, which can totally vary for people with sensitivities or intolerances. It can be someone who gets a little bit uncomfortable, a little bloated, or it can be someone like your family member that you're like, talked about that's totally knocked out, right? (laughs) And those people, we're finding sensitivities and intolerances affect anywhere from (laughs) 0.5% of the population up to 13% of the population. (laughs) And this is, the research is like totally varied here because part of it, you might have people misreporting. Or you just don't have everybody reporting. Everybody who has this doesn't necessarily report to their doctor or these studies that they find. But we know it's becoming more and more common, kind of based on the things we had already talked about. Um, But then there is celiac disease. Now, celiac disease only affects about 1% of the population, but it's very serious. So it's important to address because for these people, this 1% of the population that has celiacs, It's actually an autoimmune disease, meaning that person's immune system attacks their body when gluten gets in the small intestine. Basically, it says gluten is like a foreign invader, almost like a virus. I need to kind of like get rid of this thing and legitimately attack it. So people with celiac disease, um, it's actually can be lethal to eat gluten throughout their life because their intestine will be damaged. They can get intestinal cancer. So they need to avoid it at all costs. And although celiac is less common, it is very important. And your question earlier is the research there. We just in recent years and decades started to have more research on how serious it was and like, okay, we need to clearly label things for celiacs because we found these people were dying from intestinal cancer because they didn't realize their whole life they were exposed to gluten. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, One final category of issues with gluten in general is a wheat allergy. So wheat is just one of the grains that has gluten and people can just be allergic to it, kind of break out in hives like they could be allergic to peanut butter. That is um, not just the gluten in it, though. It's kind of like the whole component of wheat. And that's actually not really common. Most people outgrow it. It's usually like a small percentage of children under five. 
but people can be allergic to wheat. Um, sometimes people say that they are like allergic to gluten. And sometimes I think that's just a way of explaining it to people who maybe they don't want to have to explain their whole spiel. Um, and it's just easier to say like celiac disease. Well, what is that? Or gluten intolerance? What is that? You could just say, well, I'm allergic to it. And most people kind of right. take it at face value, even though wheat allergy is the only one that would be a true allergy. All right. So uh, I guess one question that I that I have, or at least I one thing that I'm very curious about uh, is how these different things, like what the symptoms of these different yeah. levels are then. Um, and I guess on the scale of seriousness, just to make sure that I'm following it correctly, uh, would we have like gluten intolerance or sensitivity at like the bottom of seriousness? Mm -hmm. Like not that they aren't all serious. That's not what I'm saying. But like you'd have your gluten intolerance or sensitivity and then maybe wheat allergy after that and then celiac disease or celi celiac yep. or celiac disease? Uh, cel celiac. But sometimes Cel we add the S. The truth is, I don't know. I think it's almost like it could be either. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. And then celiac disease, like at the top, mm -hmm. as, as far as those, thing those two Absolutely. things? Absolutely. Yep. That okay. is the, the seriousness, seriousness level. <laughs> and... Um, you know, I'll touch base on this, but what I'll say about that is absolutely it is not as serious to have a sensitivity or an intolerance. You're going to be very uncomfortable, but it's not likely it's going to have huge long, long, long terms effects on your health like internally. I just like to tell people, though, if you're going to wake up, eat a food that makes you completely uncomfortable all day long, every single day, that's no way to live. And it might affect like your mental health. It might affect just how you continue to show up, how you you sleep and rest and do things. So, you know, it's it's not worth it for some people who have that sensitivity. Um, of course, it's at different levels. And, you know, the symptoms you brought up, Alex, um, in general, gluten kind of causes an inflammatory response. For celiacs, it's really intense. Some people, it'll cause so much kind of inflammation in their body because their body's attacking it that they'll vomit right away. Um, mm. Otherwise, just general digestive distress, um, constipation, diarrhea, bloating, gas. For anybody who has sensitivities, share a little bit about myself. Um, when I first found I had a gluten sensitivity, um, I didn't realize how much I was bloated all the time. I actually dropped two pant sizes. Um, and you know, my journey is not one of weight loss by any means. It's just one of gut healing. And, um, I didn't realize that I was just in a chronic state of bloat. Like simply put, I didn't realize I could have a flat stomach. I just thought that's the way my stomach was shaped. Like I was always a little bit bloated. And, um, when I would get rid of gluten and kind of test it and eat it again, I would blow up like a little pregnancy belly, like really, mm. really hard, intense bloating, cramps, wow. things like that. So a lot of the symptoms are like that for people, really kind of digestive, right, within the gut. Uh, our gut is responsible for a lot more, though. So people can also have intense joint pain. I like to talk about how when I was working in a restaurant, chicken wing joint, eating a lot of gluten <laughs> before I knew I had my sensitivity, I would wake up feeling kind of like I got hit by a bus. Like I was so sore and I was so tired and almost like hung over, even if I wasn't drinking alcohol. And it would be like, oh my gosh, I guess I'm just not as fit. fit. You know, serving really wears me out. I'm carrying things around all day. But I was young, healthy, and I was fit. And it was really this gluten that was causing this um, intense pain within my body. So joint okay. pain is another one. 
Um, general skin issues, things like psoriasis and skin rashes can come from gluten sensitivities. That's actually can sometimes be isolated. Some people just have psoriasis really bad when they have gluten and they avoid it for that reason. Um, other things, I, I kind of like to think this is the mental category of things like brain fog. So that family member that you were talking about, that kind of being out of it, not having mental clarity, being confused, being kind of frustrated, not with it, that's general brain fog. And gluten is, is a huge causal factor of brain fog. Um, <clears throat> I will be completely honest and share a little experience of my experience with brain fog. Um, when I first realized I had gluten sensitivity, I thought mine was all digestive and I'd be like, okay, you have brain fog, whatever. <laughs> Gut issues are so much worse. And then I accidentally had gluten um, after eating something. And the next day I woke up and I drove to a school at the time that I was probably driving to for about two and a half years. I knew this route back and forth. And I'm like, I'm out of it. I'm just kind of tired this morning. And I drove about like five miles up the road past my turn to the school without even realizing. And like it hit me and I'm like, what? And then I, I got in and I did my lesson. I was just off all day. It's, it's kind of like it really gets you almost like out of your mind in a way. And mm. that's my best way to describe my experience with brain fog. When that happened, I'm like, okay, brain fog, kind of serious, not really cool, uh, can affect your life definitely, you know, just as much as maybe uncomfortable digestive symptoms. Okay. Yeah. I, I never saw it in action because like by this point, my um, like my family members were very well versed in it. And I, most of them have gone like gluten-free just out of like, I wouldn't say necessity, but like a lot of things are developed with that gluten-free in mind, or at least like there's both things like, you know, we have one gluten, one without gluten. Um, so like, I never actually saw that in action, but to hear like the stories and stuff, I was just like, wow, like honestly was kind of skeptic. Like how, how does that even happen? Like, what is that? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you, how do you not notice? Or like, how do you, how are you that far behind kind of a thing? Right. Um, that's quite interesting. Right, right. Um, symptoms kind of that coincide with that are just general fatigue, um, headaches, and mood changes. There is um, great, great, great research connecting gut health in general to mental health. I'd love to break that down in another episode. But in general, people experience um, more some people experience more depression and anxiety when they have gluten sensitivities. Um, and, and who knows if it's kind of like a true issue within the brain, maybe because of this brain gut connection, maybe we could touch base on this. Or in my in my experience, I was just constantly anxious because I didn't realize what was affecting me and why I was feeling sick. And then I right. was feeling sick, I would get stressed about it. So it was causing anxiety, whether or not that was like diagnosable or not. I was experiencing anxiety and I was like kind of down and out. Like I was maybe a little bit depressed because I had to make a huge life change. I could have right. grilled cheese. Now I cannot. And I think <laughs> regardless of whether those are like diagnosable mental health conditions or not, they're valid. That kind of sucks to have to experience that. And that's, that's right. what I'll say about that. Okay. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. So we talked about why now it seems like there are so many, or why it seems like so many more cases, um, if, if I may, um, are coming to light with it uh, being more grain-based products, more processed mm -hmm. versions of these particular products in the way that uh, even the grain itself is is farmed and modified. 
Um, and I guess within this context of you know, all these unhealthy foods with so many more bad options, but I, I guess it's, I guess it's kind of like bittersweet because there are more bad options, but there's also more science to go along with that. In the middle of these two things, uh, maybe we can talk about how people get it wrong yes. after uh, we take a quick break. Let's do it. Let's take a break and come back and talk about how you get it wrong. Okay. Sounds good. Hi, everyone. Trish here. Hope you're enjoying this episode. Just popping in very briefly to share a little bit about what I do as a coach. In case you didn't know, I'm a health, life, and nutrition coach, and I help people feel good in their gut. I'm talking about improving digestion so you can feel good physically, but also feeling good deep down in your gut about the choices you're making for your health. I've struggled with gut health myself and often felt frustrated, confused, and alone. I was stressed by all the restrictive diets and conflicting info I'd get from mindless Google searches. That's why I created the Feel Good Gut System to help you manage the stress associated with your digestive issues. This unique coaching system has three components, mind, body, and wellness. I help you on a holistic level so you can find your calm and get in the right headspace for habit change. We'll find what works for your unique body with a built-in 30-day cleanse, and we'll make sure this fits into your life so you have control over your gut health and it no longer controls you. If you're interested in learning more about the Feel Good Gut System, visit my website, healthcoachingbytrish.com. All right. So, Trish, before the break, we were talking about gluten intolerance and looking at the different forms of gluten intolerance, which I'm using as an umbrella term, and I don't know if I can mm -hmm. use it as an umbrella term, but I'm... I'm I give you permission. Telling it's all cool. of you. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, the different forms or levels of that from gluten intolerance to a wheat allergy to celiac disease, what it looks like, uh, how they affect the body, how they affect the mind, and even why some of these things seem to be more common now than they have been in the past. Uh, and we left it with the how people get it wrong. And it seems like it's very easy to get it wrong with there mm -hmm. being so much more, uh, so many more bad options with, you know, more processed foods and, and all, all kinds of additives and things that are thrown into these foods. And mm -hmm. I think before the break, even I said like it was nice because at least there's more research, but also I feel like we're kind of unfortunately in a period where like scientific research almost seems to be getting less valid, where like people are less willing to yes. listen to what a doctor has to say. And I almost wonder if maybe there's some skepticism there. I'm like, well, like, is this actually a thing? Like, are you, yeah. How, how do people get it wrong? Yeah. Great point there. Um, I think one of the first myths around gluten is that all gluten is bad for you and everyone needs to be gluten free because there mm. are definitely some proponents out there that just say like it's going to it's going to harm every single person's body. It's so bad for you all. And um, I don't personally believe that there are even some like there's a researcher at Harvard that has this theory but I would say the vast majority of nutritionists, health experts, doctors would would now recognize that it's legit. I think even like maybe 10, 20 years ago, there was even skeptics in the scientific field. Like, what is that? Now most people would recognize like it's definitely legit. Their sensitivity, celiacs is a thing. But I do not believe that everyone has to be gluten-free. There are some some great health benefits of eating wheat-based products or other grains. There's B vitamins in there. There's fiber. Not everybody has to be gluten-free. 
not all gluten is bad for everyone. That's my first mm. myth. Okay. Well, that's good because that was going to be one of the questions that I asked later on. Um, <laughs> okay. And I'm just breathing a sigh of relief because uh, a boy likes his pizza. Uh, with, Absolutely. With gluten, so. Absolutely. It's funny. I actually just made a post that like, Life is too short to live without any pizza. Find your pizza. And I did post a gluten-free, dairy-free, vegan version of pizza. <laughs> nice. But, but um, you know what I will say? You might, be, you might be interested to hear this, Alex. I, um, my mom is an accountant, and she has one of her clients is an Italian restaurant up in Buffalo. And okay. they actually ship their uh, dough directly over from Italy. So it's less processed. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people find they can go to Europe and have gluten and have less of a reaction because they don't process it like we do in the States, unfortunately. Um, And I can find that now that I kind of have my health under control, I'm not in the worst state that I was, my gut's pretty healthy, I can handle some of their pizza and it's true gluten pizza. (laughs) That's interesting. I So yeah. I, I lived in Portugal for a year after I graduated high school. And I did, like, it's very easy to notice some of the differences in products. And now that you mention it, like some of the wheat products as well. Uh, one of my favorite things about living in Portugal was the abundance of pastries and, and mm. cafes that sell those pastries. And there, I mean, it's, yeah, there's definitely a difference. I mean, yeah. how they do like those like wheat-based products like sugar in products and like there were some versions of american foods that i liked there better and coming back i was like oh my gosh like this tastes awful it like my one of my favorite sodas was actually ruined because i came back and was like you can tell the difference in quality right yeah you really can and like i think i've gotten back to the point where i'm kind of used to it it was it was fanta in case anybody was curious oh Uh, like the fanta over there is so good and i came back and had some american fanta and like spit it out i was like this is disgusting i can't that's so interesting yeah that's so interesting because not even a local thing that's like a big company but they must even make it different and you know what i even think it is it's on the level of like the way it's made and farmed like when i went to cyprus i also found that a lot of cakes and pastries and things but they don't really ship their food from outside most of it's grown and made on the island so it's not as processed like i think even down to the fanta sugar is maybe made in a more pure way in portugal than like who knows where we ship the sugar for the fanta up here i don't know i genuinely believe that's probably part of it and i think that just goes to show too like not all gluten is created equal again gluten in ancient grains um and less processed forms of gluten, like really, really whole wheat is definitely more nutritious and less likely to have an issue for you than like, no offense. I'm, I don't know why I'm picking on Wonder. I'm so sorry, Wonder <laughs> Bread. But they're just like my biggest like white processed bread, you know, right. <laughs> kind of in my brain. <laughs> That's fair. Yes, yes. You All know, right. actually, from everything that I've heard about Wonder Bread, I've heard that it's like a sweet kind of like sugary bread. I've never mm. had Wonder Bread. And like, there are a lot of reasons. Like, honestly, we could, there could be an episode eventually where I talk about my own health journey, short though it was. Uh, But there was a period of time in my life where we went like full wheat, no white bread, like wheat pasta, (laughs) wheat. Like it was, it was, it was a lot of nonsense. But like, I'm wondering, like we just, I think we'd like Italian bread or like bread with seeds on it in general. Um, But I've never had 
wonder bread and i'm wondering if like what the difference is you know like what does it taste yeah. like how does it compare Gosh, especially now that you're even... bashing on it i feel like i can't <laughs> fully like accept my position as being the anti-trish without knowing what wonder bread tastes like i think you need to do some experimentation and get back to us alex i think that's mm-hmm. your homework okay yeah and um i also would love an episode on your health journey i think we should plan that soon I was also thinking, okay, and this could just be because I've been watching a lot of uh, a particular YouTube channel whose name I won't mention just in case it becomes an issue. Um, We should do some, like, we should have a taste test episode. Maybe even if we, like, it could even be a live episode where, like, gluten products versus non-gluten products or, like, dairy products versus lactose-free products. Mm. Like, just, I, I don't know, I have something, not for you, obviously, but, like... I don't know. Like it could be something that you curate as the professional and maybe even as somebody who has at one point like partaken of those products in their original forms. Um, Yeah. I'm just, I'm just spitballing. I'm just talking out loud. Spitballing. Um, I like it. I like it. And you know what? I lived the life. I know what it was like. I have some memories. And if we do, if we do lactose, I can have, uh, take my lactase enzymes and I can have, have some of that, but I definitely think we should do some taste testing and, uh, have true reactions. I would love to even see what it's like for you. I'd love to yeah. curate my favorite gluten-free products and have you try them. <laughs> that would be that would be fun. That'd be fun. Yes. Oh boy. So, um, looking at how people get it wrong, uh, this idea that all gluten is bad for you—that is not quite correct. Um, mm-hmm. Or even, I guess, looking at it the opposite way—that all gluten-free is like healthy. Yeah. Yeah. What's so? What's that about? Like, I guess I love that. Yeah, I'll I'll let you take it away. So I think there is this myth that like people go on diets without really any sort of health issues, but they think that gluten is a good way to lose weight. So that's kind of the Mm. first myth here is that I'm going to go gluten-free so I can lose weight because there's this other myth that all gluten-free is healthy and all gluten-free products and a gluten-free diet is completely healthy and that's going to be a good way to lose weight. I spoke about me dropping two pant sizes. That was not weight at all. That was simple like bloat in my mm-hmm. in my gut, in my stomach. Um, gluten-free products, um, like if you're going to buy a gluten-free bread substitute or cracker or cookie substitute, you got to replace it with something. So it's usually a processed form of a gluten-free grain like rice or corn or something like that. And it's really processed, so it's not always wholesome. They add more sugar in it at times to actually make it like worse for you than like a pure wheat version of it. And in general, um, it's not just always nutritious. Sometimes people just take their favorite products like Oreo just came out (laughs) with gluten-free Oreos. They took a long time on that one. They just came out. I have not tried them yet. I can definitely try those um, in our taste test episode. However, you know, if you do that and you just say, well, I'm going to go gluten-free and still eat all these processed foods and cookies and things, you're not going to lose weight. However, If people truthfully want to live a nutritious life, your diet should be, say, 90% gluten-free. You can maybe, if you don't have a sensitivity or celiacs, have wheat bread every now and then, now and again, but you probably should not be eating that with every single meal. You're going to be eating fruits and vegetables and meats and things like that that are gluten-free. That's the problem, though, is that people don't typically do that when they go gluten-free. They just find their replacements and cereals and all these processed things. (laughs) That's just a gluten-free version. Uh, So that's kind of how people get it wrong with thinking gluten-free is healthy just because I hear it's a fad and let me diet that way. I do not recommend that. 
Um, I recommend that you just eat healthier. And if you find gluten affects you, then go gluten-free. If you find you have some sort of these symptoms that we spoke about, then go gluten-free. Don't just do it. Don't just do it. Because you know what? One of my um, other tips on how people get it wrong is that they don't get tested for celiacs before going gluten-free. So in order to have the test for celiacs come up and show that you have that disease, you have to have gluten in your system because it essentially Mm -hmm. tests for like how your body's responding to it. So if you're already gluten-free and you do have celiacs, but you've been gluten-free, it's not going to show that and you could be misproperly or improperly (laughs) improperly (laughs) diagnosed like a false negative, right? And you actually have it. So, So people who suspect they have like a really serious reaction to gluten should actually get tested right away. And, um, you know, while you're still eating gluten, get that answer to see whether or not you have celiacs and then go gluten free. That's one of my one of my tips there. Um, I have a few more myths and we can move on how to get it right. How's that? Sure, Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one, of, one of the myths is that oats are gluten. And this is confusing because if you're like shopping and you're like, wait, I didn't think oats were a gluten grain. And, uh, but I see this product right here that says it's gluten-free oats. Oats mm. are actually a naturally gluten-free grain. Uh, rice is a gluten-free grain. Quinoa, um, corn actually is not a vegetable. That is a grain and it is gluten-free. We yeah, that's, that's was very, uh, very intense in her in making sure that people get their rice. Um, yes, we do. We do. Yeah. And she was very much uh, close in on my journey when I was uh, going gluten free and I was testing out, you know, does rice even affect me, even though it's not gluten? And one day she came into uh, my office and was like, can you have rice? Can you have rice? And she freaked out because <laughs> she loves rice. Rice is great. It's gluten free. If you live gluten free, I, I recommend rice. I like rice. <laughs> I love white rice. It's one of my favorite sides and it drives yeah. my partner nuts because she thinks that I'm so boring. But like it, I don't know, it just pairs well with a lot of foods. I it, think. it does. And you know what? It's a food that seems like it would be boring because it's kind of plain, but just it's just good. Like it, it truthfully is just good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to oats. Oats yes. are a gluten-free grain. But they're often almost always processed right alongside wheat. So people who are sensitive or have celiacs should buy specifically gluten-free oats uh, that are labeled as so just so they don't have any sort of reaction. And just make sure that those oats were like processed totally separately in their own. There's no contamination. That's the only reason there. I think there's a lot of confusion around that. Oats are gluten-free. Just buy the gluten-free version, though, if you are intolerant. Okay. That's good to know. One of my questions was like, okay, well, why would they, like, I can, I can imagine why they would say it's a gluten-free oat because like, let's be honest, not everybody in our country is the brightest bulb. (laughs) And like some people need that spelled out for them. Um, But, you know, I was wondering like, you know, would that specifically be necessary? And as it, as it it appears, apparently it is just in case with that cross-contamination. So it's, it's necessary for this, but you bring up an interesting point, Alex, that it's, unnecessary for so many things and this is the way like the industry gets it wrong and i think promotes this fad culture because you'll find like water bottles now saying they're gluten-free water Uh, does not contain gluten (laughs) or like a pack of vegetables and it says gluten-free and if you know that gluten only comes from grain all veggies all fruits are gluten-free but you'll see like the cut up watermelon and people like wow this is watermelon but it's also gluten-free and it's like they were to begin with that's the way the industry kind of promotes it i think in the wrong way um 
just to make money to kind of promote that like culture that's what gets to me and that does annoy me i'm not gonna lie (laughs) reminds me of like tiktoks and uh uh, like vines and stuff where a person's like yeah can i get a pizza with no blueberries please like why would there be blueberries on your pizza there wouldn't be i asked specifically for there not to be any blueberries (laughs) on my pizza like yeah but pizza doesn't come with blue like why would you that doesn't make any sense like you know anyway just that kind of exactly exactly very needless but okay Yes, yes. Um, My last myth or way that people get it wrong is just just believing that gluten intolerance or sensitivity is a myth. There are Mm -hmm. some people who do believe that celiacs is the only thing. And if you don't have celiacs, you could have gluten. Stop demonizing this. And that's not what it's about. I just recognize that absolutely it is. There are vast majority of people in this category who don't have celiacs, but they're uncomfortable. And that's no way to live. That's no way right. to live. If, if you're sensitive and you're going to be uncomfortable every day, just don't have gluten. It's okay. <laughs> so that brings me to my first tip on how to get it right. And that's just don't let others' judgments or skepticism or, dare I say it, blatant ignorance about <laughs> gluten or health or, like, your own experience mean something about you. Don't let it, like get in the way of you making a choice for yourself. If you feel better off of these products, do that for yourself. It's living uncomfortable is no way to live. Don't let other people's judgment or again, misunderstanding get to you. Uh, live your life and make that choice and just do it in a smart way. I'll give you a couple tips here on, on how to do so. Uh, but Alex, you got anything to say about that? I mean, speaking for people who are not gluten sensitive i am a little embarrassed that one of the tips has to be just be a decent person like (laughs) you know and i i feel like it's probably like some of those labels like needless gluten-free labels and some warning labels as well like you know that it's on there unfortunately because somebody was dumb enough to warrant it being on there so like speaking on behalf of most gluten-free people i apologize that that you have to put up with that. You you don't have to apologize. Although, you know what? It's must, much appreciated. And you know what I'll say, Alex? Regardless of how much... I want our, our listeners to know this. Regardless of how much we are antitheses of each other. Mm. I don't know if I yes. use that right. Regardless of how opposite we are. I have never, ever, ever once felt judged by Alex. We mm. joke, but he's never, ever actually <laughs> judged me or made me feel wrong. And he was like... You know, we were friends through my whole journey of, of realizing I was gluten-free and stuff. So you have never ever done that for me but i appreciate your apologies on behalf of those that may have done that to someone still appreciate it appreciate that as well and we'll say that likewise as far as food is concerned i have never felt like trish was judging me even though we do like to rib each other in that regard the only thing that i feel like trish judges me on is my choice in phone but i don't let that bother me because i know that i have the superior device but maybe that's a story for another time that's a story for another time but i will fully admit that i judge alex for having an android apple all the way okay uh next tip uh do be prepared (laughs) do be prepared (laughs) if you're if you're gluten-free you are going to have a little bit more restriction uh be prepared get into just having like a snack bar or something on hand recognizing if you might need to bring food with you because you're not sure if there'll be a gluten-free option just be prepared um and and do a little bit of research on the gluten-free products out there it's a process and you know i'll put in a little plug that's why it's great to work with a coach what i love helping people with is giving them 
the guidance that I never had. I was lost for a long period of time and I had to learn how to prepare my food and cook and find products I could take on the go. So that's one of the things I love to help my clients with is like, how can we be empowered and prepared so we're not stuck in a sticky situation feeling uncomfortable and we can just be like, oh, I'm totally good. I got my something that I can eat that helps me feel good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Next tip. Don't give up after one bad gluten-free cupcake. (laughs) Yeah, so I think that there's a lot of products out there. Exactly. And you know what? I'll say it. There are a lot of bad gluten-free products out there. A lot of bad ones. <laughs> but even in the couple of years that I've been gluten-free, I find they're, they're experimenting. Amazing bakers. It's a science. It's an art. Are finding ways to make gluten-free, uh, especially baked goods, more and more tasty and less and less like blatantly obvious that it's not gluten. <laughs> I think there's some products where like you can tell there's a difference, but they're getting better where there's some products where it, it's really mimicking true gluten um, in in a pretty close way. I think they're getting a lot better at that. So just experiment, try different products, find what works for you. Don't give up after one bad experience. Um, Next tip. You say that for a lot of things in life, honestly. You're absolutely right. That's just a life lesson there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My next tip is to eat mostly whole foods or mostly naturally gluten-free. This kind of goes off that myth of like, don't just eat all the gluten-free breads and crackers and processed stuff. (laughs) Like eat more whole foods, fruits, veggies, uh, replace it with other carbs like potatoes are gluten-free because they're a veggie. And and you're going to find that you have more variety there and you kind of just naturally phase out those other foods. If we're constantly thinking about what we can't have... (laughs) then we're going to like be frustrated. I I like to use this yeah. um this concept of phase in to phase out. Find more foods, try more recipes, get a greater variety of things you do like, and then you'll naturally start to like not miss those other products as much. Yes, you might still miss real bread every now and again. Totally okay, but over time you just kind of get used to it and you can find your groove and find what works for you. All right. Any other tips for us, Trish? One last tip. Do revel in how much better you feel and own it. If you find this lifestyle, yeah. Work it. (laughs) Work it. (laughs) I like that. Thanks, hype man. Yeah. Um, You know what? If it works for you, it works for you. And just notice, you know, I think that's one of the best things to do when you're creating a new habit that might be hard. You might be missing other foods. It might be tough. But if you're feeling good, Take note of that and just own it and say, hey, I'm gluten-free now. You know, what's up? That That's exactly what you should say. <laughs> New gut, who dis? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I like that. Oh, geez. Merch idea right there. We'll just keep that's adding a merch to the idea. list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So uh, good tips on both sides of things. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think, Trish? Is it time for the final scream? <laughs> it is time for the final scream <laughs> oh boy i don't know if we can use that unfortunately i think somebody will <laughs> <It> probably... <copyright> <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're totally right that's okay oh boy um but yeah so for those of you who are unfamiliar the final scream is our segment where i ask trish some serious and some ridiculous questions about the episode topic and she has 20 seconds to answer each one to the best of her ability. Uh, So I do have 20 seconds on the clock and we have uh, 
five questions. I honestly, I was kind of worried at first because we got through like the whole first half and I was like, I don't have any questions. I got to come up with something quick. But then like <laughs> I, I was able to put some together. So we have five Beautiful. Uh, questions for you today. Uh, are you ready to begin? I am ready. All right. Question number one. Uh, of course, I will start the timer after I answer or read the question. So you have 20 seconds to actually answer. This isn't no family feud thing here. Okay. Like, being fair. So beautiful. Uh, why the brain fog? Why does, uh, like, why can gluten ingestion cause a brain fog? Mm, good question. I like that. So our brain is directly connected to our gut via the vagus nerve. So sometimes when things are iffy within our gut, it can affect our brain. Long story short, that's it. Hmm. What happens in the vagus nerve stays in the vagus Stays nerve. in the vagus. <laughs> oh my gosh, Alex. I actually, I have a post that I'm going to post this week in the Healthy Gut Club. You should look out for it and add that underneath it because I think it's going to be funny. I'll tag okay. you. Okay. I will, I will say something clever, I'm sure. Okay. Um, all right. Question number two. Uh, does, so for people who have a gluten sensitivity, does it have to be ingested, ingested, or is there a situation where like, even like skin contact mm, could, mm -hmm. uh, like set something off? Oh, that's a really good question. I'm going to say I'm not a full expert on this, but there is some research showing that like it can get in our skin because our skin has pores. It can still get in our internal body. So some people can have like face or hair products that are gluten-free or, um, or they need the gluten-free products, right? And it can touch them. If you have an allergy, I think definitely. That is time. Oh. <laughs> would, you, would you like to finish up? Because you were- you No, were that's, basically that's it. Uh, likely contact could be it, but for, for most people, um, it's really ingesting that causes the, the worst experience. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Could gluten-free foods be harmful to someone who isn't sensitive? Like, could a lack of gluten be harmful to someone who isn't sensitive to it? Oh, could a lack of gluten be harmful? I think I'm a little confused. Um, like, like I, I do get what you're saying, maybe. Like, those products... I mean, let's take the gluten-free aura, for example. It's not really going to be healthy, so it could still be harmful. Is that what you were asking? Okay. I think so. Yeah. So like you mentioned <laughs> that some people think that all gluten is harmful or like all gluten-free foods are helpful. And I was like, okay, just out of curiosity, is there a situation where like a gluten-free food, somebody who isn't sensitive mm. to gluten going after gluten-free foods, like could a lack of gluten, you know, be harmful to somebody who doesn't have that particular sensitivity? Oh, um, yeah. You know what I'll generally say? I'm going to break the rules here because I do want to answer that and okay. just say... <laughs> I know I can restart time. your time because you didn't understand the question. So, well, I'll just say that um, gluten isn't necessarily in and of itself a thing that we need. You can't be deficient in gluten. Let's say that mm -hmm. you can be deficient in something like B vitamins, which are found in breads, but you can find B vitamins in other foods as well. Okay. Hmm. Good answer. Okay, uh, okay, two questions left. As someone who has consumed both gluten-free foods and gluten-filled foods, which gluten-free product do you think does it best? Uh, well, I'm going to give a specific brand shout out to Simple Mills. I think their cookies are really, really good. I found cookies are the best products that are gluten-free because cakes, texture can be weird. Cookies are good gluten-free. All right. Not a sponsor, yeah. but they could be. They could be. Hey, if you're listening, Simple Mills, I'd love to promote you. All right. And as always, uh, question number five, how does this relate to ice cream? 
I love it. Uh, gluten's totally separate from dairy and other components in ice cream. However, uh, us poor gluten-freeers, we can't have cookie dough because that has gluten in it. So anything like crackers and cookies. However, So Delicious does have a good cookie dough <laughs> ice cream that's also dairy-free. <laughs> okay. Not All a right. I was going to ask a follow-up question. So wait, is there a gluten-free cookie dough? And I, as it sounds like there is. So yes, that is good. All right. Well, that is the end of the final scream. Uh, any last thoughts before we wrap it up for today, Trish? I just want to say I appreciate your questions and insight, Alex. And you know what? You didn't make any any jokes about gluten. Is there any jokes that you would want to share about gluten? Oh, geez. Any jokes? Well, well when you say joke, um, I have like my uncle, uh, the the one of the family members within this family of mine who is gluten-free uh is he is not gluten-free but he refers to it always as the glutton-free food uh this oh, is like the glut so like every, when you said humor that's like immediately where i thought of and i don't know that if i were to think of a joke i would be able to um like get past that in time to think of something even right now i'm like trying to stall for time Glutinous. and come up with something like a a play on words but um I, I don't know. Maybe I'll get back to you in the next episode. We can start something off with a with a gluten free joke. <laughs> I would like that. I think that that that's fun. All right. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, it was a pleasure uh, getting to hear and learn about another topic today, Trish. And it was. Uh, thank you all out there for tuning in and listening to these. We enjoy them, and we hope that you do as well. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure we're going to plug all of the usual stuff in, in like the, the post, the, the end segment. But if you ever have any questions, uh, topic suggestions, anything of that nature, there are a lot of different ways to get in touch with the two of us. Uh, you can uh, email or find Trish on Facebook, uh, The Healthy Gut Club. You can find her on Instagram as well. Uh, she even has a pretty fancy website, uh, healthcoachingbytrish.com. Uh, again, all of that plug information will be done. But like, I don't know. I just felt like we had to say it uh, right now. So I love it. Thanks for saying it. And I'll just say, if you are listening, we're a new podcast. Please do subscribe. Mm. Tell your friends. Give us a rating. That's how we know that you're listening. And we'd love to hear from you. So thank you. Thanks for listening to Ice Cream, You Cream. Our podcast is co-produced by Alexander Rodriguez and Trish Whetstone. Our theme was composed by Russo and used the licensing provided by Artless.il. Our logo was created by Trish Whetstone and Alexander Rodriguez. If you love what you're hearing, leave a review and hit subscribe. For more health and wellness information, connect with at FeelGoodGutGirl on Instagram, within the Healthy Gut Club Facebook group, or visit HealthCoachingByTrish.com. Here's to feeling good in your gut. <laughs>